Good morning. You're listening to Caregiver Crossing, a podcast brought to you by Joy's House. And we are so happy and blessed that you're here. Caregiver Crossing is a podcast that's created just for you, the caregiver. I'm Tina McIntosh. I'm Terry Stacy. We're here every week with experts from across the country providing comfort, resources, and joy, hopefully joy to all of our caregivers. This podcast really does serve to embrace family caregivers of today and tomorrow. Thank you all for being right here with us today. Tina, let's get at it. We have an amazing guest today. Yeah, we couldn't be more excited. Today, we're talking with Guillermo Checky, who is principal researcher at IBM Research and the lead scientist on the Alzheimer's prediction research. He's been with IBM Research for 20 years, and he joined them in 2001 to work on computational approaches to brain function. It is really so interesting and so above me. (laughs) I can't even comprehend. But what you do is amazing. Guillermo received an education in physics, MS University of La Plata, Argentina in 1991, physics and biology, a PhD at the Rockefeller University, 1994 to 1999, and imaging in psychiatry. Um, His area of research number of publications that he's written in press coverage is incredibly impressive, but we would take up our entire podcast going through all of it, but we really want to get to this research and the Alzheimer's study. Guillermo, thank you so much for joining us today. It is an incredible topic. Let's ask the big question for what we want to know, and that is, is it possible to predict who will develop Alzheimer's disease simply by looking at writing patterns years before there are symptoms? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for uh, inviting me. Uh, it's always for me uh, a pleasure and it's my passion to talk about this. Uh, so the answer to your question is uh, yes to uh, a good extent. And what I mean by that is what we did is to show that we can take uh, language samples from uh, people uh, at the time that they are considered to be cognitively healthy as assessed by uh, uh, traditional neurological exams and predict whether they will uh, develop Alzheimer's before the age of 85 or after or never um, with a precision that is around 75%, given that uh, if you just flip a coin, you get 50%. And if you use all the clinical information available at the moment, you get 60%. So it's uh, it's not a perfect prediction, but given the simplicity of the task and given that you can do uh, this task at home and you can do that repeatedly, uh, and it takes about two or three minutes. Uh, the, what's relevant about what we're doing is that you, you, how much information you can get with so, such a simple a task for, from the point of view of the, uh, of the participant. So I, I read a couple of articles that were out there about the research that you have led, and it's really fascinating. And for those of us who don't believe we have any signs of a dementia, it seems like a simple task. Can you talk a little bit about what it is um, so people can understand yes. what's behind it? Yes. So this is uh, something that has been used actually for decades. If you look at the picture that... Uh, uh, 
that is the, the, the central element of the task, um, you will see that it's a picture that, you know, harks back to the 40s and 50s, you know, very Americana. It's, a, it's a, what appears to be a mother and two children and, and the boys trying to steal a cookie from a cookie jar. And there are very, you know, typical scenes that you will see in I Love Lucy kind of uh, shows. Um, and the task is just describe describe it, uh, what I was doing. Describe it in your own words. So literally, if I can interrupt you, and I feel like I should say Dr. Checky, right? I mean, if, uh, Guillermo is good. Oh, we've gone so, <laughs> so much, so much education. And I'm like, what's up, Guillermo? Um, but it truly is. It's a picture, and if I were participating in the task, I write a narrative exactly. of what I'm seeing in the picture. Okay, so you've set the stage exactly. for me, and then exactly. you take that and do what with it? And then what we do is uh, we analyze it, um, trying to identify patterns that have been described in the literature. And, uh, and I, would show, I would say the qualitative uh, or, or human-rated approach, which there's nothing wrong with it, uh, but it's difficult to repeat, right? Uh, because your way of evaluating and my way of evaluating would be different, and it might depend on, on the experience of each one. And, and, and we also ap apply what's called now data science. We try to find things that are more hidden, so concrete examples, uh, we look for um, how flooded the language is. So as you said, it's a narrative or it's just naming objects as, oh, woman, boy, cookie, girl, uh, or are you expressing yourself in, in a flooded, rich language? And we have ways of measuring that. So do you, you know, going back to school, we all know how to identify verb, object, adjective, etc. So we we can create uh, uh, graphs, right? So we can create a tree uh, with all the components and use that to measure how rich uh, grammatically your your language is. Um, that's in the literature it's called uh, density of ideas and. So we can measure that with the machine, and we know that we are measuring always the same thing. That's the value, right? Uh, um, there is the idea that you know people have difficulty uh, identifying the right words, right, uh, uh, as part of your cognitive impairments. So uh, you can have someone who says "woman," but can be more specific or less specific as a person, or a woman, or a mother, or a young mother that seems to be a housewife, right? So that sort of specificity we can also measure with, with techniques. Uh, we found that things that were known in the literature, but we measure that specifically. It's, you know, people repeat things. And this is our, you know, experience with members of our family who have you know, cognitive impairment, they forget things, but they also repeat things because perhaps they forgot them. We can measure all of those things, right, and identify hidden 
connections between these very subtle features. And when we put all that together, is it what, when we get uh, the strong signal that, that we are getting. Dr. Guillermo Tecchi is our guest today on Caregiver Crossing, principal researcher and I, and the lead scientist on their uh, Alzheimer's prediction research. Doctor, explain to us, or Guillermo, explain to us a little bit about the ages. Is it, are you pretty definite on when you start, at what age you're starting that research, 35 or younger, or 30, a little older than 35? Those test subjects. No, the, the, uh, in in the data that we analyze, uh, the ages are a bit older, in starting in 60, 65 uh, and above. Okay. Um, we chose 85 as the age of uh, uh, defining early or, or late, let's say, uh, Alzheimer's, right? So that's the, the boundary that we chose. Uh, uh, in order to have a, a sharp uh, uh, definition of, of when you might start or, or, or not. Uh, so that's, those are the age ranges. And also, and I think that is, in, in terms of ages, it's important to note is that on average, like I said, we analyze the participants when they were considered healthy cognitively. So the time... Uh, from the moment that we saw them and analyzed the, the, the language samples to the first symptoms of cognitive decline, on average, in, in our studies, seven years. Right? So, you know, what I mean by that is that we, we can identify very early symptoms uh, years in advance. We are talking with Dr. Guillermo Checky, who is the principal researcher at IBM Research and has led this Alzheimer's prediction research that blows my mind. I mean, it really is incredible. And so I have a couple of questions for you. And one is, was there anything about this research that surprised you personally? Um, well, the results were surprising. Um, we started with uh, the assumption that uh, perhaps it was a signal that is uh, in, in the literature, uh, uh, there is a, a, an iconic study, it's called the NUN study, uh, and this is a study of uh, a handful of nuns that uh, enter a convent when they are, uh, you know, young women in their 20s, the right essays and the right also personal diaries, and there is a qualitative study suggesting that the terseness of those essays early on are related to the probability of developing Alzheimer's uh, when they are in their 70s and 80s and 90s. But, um, you know, we didn't expect to find such a strong signal that is validated in a complete automated way in a large uh, uh, ensemble. That, you know, uh, we were pleasantly surprised, but um, that, that was the... Um, the the strongest surprise, right? The, the fact that we found a signal that's, you know, uh, that's the, the short answer to your question. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, you know, you think about all the people in the world who care about Alzheimer's and, um, you know, it, it has to be overwhelming to, you know, to see results. So before I toss this back over to Terry, I, I have another question for you. And that is how 
how would people get involved? I mean, is this something that they can do at home that they would talk with their family practitioner about? You want them to show up on your doorstep for your team, you know, at work, like, (laughs) because I guarantee people listening, that's their thought is, I would like to do this with my father. How do I go about it? Well, uh, uh, we are very conservative. So, uh, you know, for us, the next step is to do much larger studies. And and this is how people, uh, I hope, will be involved and also, you know, providing support, you know, through NIH and the other funded agencies to conduct its uh, studies that are not that difficult because, like I said, you can do it with the smartphone. Actually, we are conducting studies where people use their smartphones to leave uh, speech samples for the analysis. What I wanted to mention in this context, too, is that uh, the main goal of what we are trying to do is not the prediction per se, uh, because what we think is uh, what we identify is a way of uh, having an idea where you're going, right? Uh, so let me give you a very simple example, right? So if I see someone today and I do this analysis and I say, well, this person is highly likely to develop Alzheimer before the age of 85. But then I do some intervention, right? So we have a new therapy or, you know, change in lifestyle, uh, you know, whatever it is. And I see you six months from now and I say, well, now the probability that this person will develop Alzheimer by age of 85 is much lower, then I know that my intervention had an effect and I don't have to wait years, right? I can do this in the time scale of my intervention. That I think is the main value of what we are trying to validate, right? With larger studies uh, following uh, our initial results. Well, we just have just about a minute or so left. We want to ask you, you know, how, how can people find out more information um, to be a part of something, to be a part of research or whatever it may be, but how can people find out more information? Well, uh, you know, specific information about what we did and what we're doing can be found in uh, uh, the website of IBM Research. But I also uh, would uh, direct uh, people to go to NIH. NIH has a lot of resources for related to research, but also related to, uh, uh, you know, like I said, lifestyles that uh, can affect your, your cognitive uh, status, et cetera. So uh, those are, you know, the main, the main sources of information. Right? And it's on the CDC too, right? So this is where you can find level information about also ongoing studies that you might want to be part of. Well, we're certainly grateful that you are committed to the studies behind Alzheimer's, that you are, you know, doing what you're doing and that you took the time to be with us today. So Dr. Guillermo, thank you so much for being here with us on Caregiver Crossing. For the rest of you, if you have any input, questions, anything you'd like to see or someone you'd like to hear from on a future episode of Caregiver Crossing, email me directly at tina at joyshouse.org and uh, we'd love to hear from you. And then... Terry, if you can share what our friends at AARP are doing for us, I think that'd be great. 
Well, they are a big supporter of Caregiver Crossing, and we are thankful for that for sure. Um, they are friends, and they are truly leading a revolution in the way people view and live life after 50. We're thrilled they've come on board to support our podcast and so much more. And we love that they are working to empower people to choose how they live as they age. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Once again, on Caregiver Crossing, we look forward to next time. Stay well.